This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Bounce towards first and through a base hit right field. He's going to take a turnaround first and try for second. Here comes the throw by Grinchik. He is safe at second base. A hustle double for Kiermaier. Here's your host, Neil Solons. And good morning and welcome to our first show of 2020 and our unique and, of course, in-depth look at all things raised. Today we will sit down with shortstop Willie Adamas. Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun will join me to take a closer look at this challenging season. We'll be joined by prospect Shane McClanahan from Port Charlotte. Kevin Ibach will be on board to look at pro scouting in a COVID world. Plus, we chat with team president Matt Silverman. Now, if you've missed us, we also have had plenty of content throughout the pandemic that is on Apple Podcasts or racebaseball.com slash podcast. We continue on our first This Week in Race Baseball show of the year and joining us a guy who was such a big part of last year's run of the playoffs and hopefully will be the same for this year and that shortstop Willie Adamas. And Willie, we chatted with you during uh, the quarantine period and I know how much it meant for you to play. What does it mean to have a chance to play now for a championship? Hi, Neil. I mean... It's it's special, you know, like now that we're back on the field, you know, that everybody got together, everybody's, you know, working hard to try to stay healthy for the whole season. You know, it's, it feels special, you know, special to be uh, special to be together again and, you know, uh, happy to be back. And, you know, I know it's going to be a good, a good year for us because, you know, the talent we got here and Everybody's putting that work in, you know, everybody's trying to just trying to, to stay healthy, to stay on, on, on the field. And I think everybody's doing the best that, that they can, you know, to to continue to do it like that. You've had some players who actually have come out and said they did have the virus. Does that make it easier to make sure you're following along because you know the impact it has if you're not on the field? Yeah, of course. You know, I was talking uh, this morning with uh, Sua about that, you know, like, like I, I want to do the most that I can, you know, to to try to stay, you know, at home and try to stay on the field. Cause, like, I'm not even worried about the the, the virus. I'm just worried about, cause I know, you know, like I feel healthy. You know, I think I'm good, and I just don't want to miss, you know, like two weeks of the of the season, cause it's a short season, and I want to help the team, you know, in the best way I can. So I don't want to be at home doing nothing, you know, and just watching the guys playing and because I couldn't, like, you know, like, stay home or, like, protect myself and, you know, do the best, the best I can to, to, to stay here and to stay on the field. So that's what I'm going to, you know, focus on this year and see what happens. What do you think will be the hardest part of this year, all the changes, everything that's going on? What will be hardest for you? The hardest, you know, there's a lot of things now, you know, like, like we cannot even, like, slap, like, get some high five from each other, hug each other. And, you know, like, I think we just had to figure out a way that we can make it, like, the closest as, as you know, like, as normal as we can, you know, like. But I think that, you know, the, the part of not being able to, like, be together, like, you know, to have fun, you know, to, to like, uh, joke around, like, you know, like, touching each other or whatever, I think that's going to be the hardest part for me because I'm, I, I you know, I like to have fun. I like to, you know, be around the guys and, you know, allow, like we have to do the social distance. So it's gonna, that, I think that's going to be the hardest part, part for me. 
Have you thought a lot about how you want to do things different or how you want to make them more normal? Pretend, you know, the, I, I've watched you and G-Man interact on the, on the field during the week, and it seems like you guys are still having a lot of fun. Yeah, no, of course. We're going to have fun anyways, you know, because like, like we said, we're glad, we're happy to be back. You know, we're playing baseball, so uh, we're going to have fun anyways. But, yes, we, 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 we have been talking about it, you know, like what are we going to do, how are we going to do it. But, you know, we still, like, we, hasn't, like, we haven't figured out a way, but we're working on it, definitely. You always bring so much energy to the field. I think you do. I think KK. I think G-Man. Without fans in the stands, do you need to bring more energy every day than you did before, or do you need to just be the same? I think, I'm, you know, if I'm the same, I'm still being I, – I, I can't be the, the, the guy that brings the energy every day. But I feel like there's, like, more guys have to bring it, you know, too. So it's not, it can't be just like me or KK or G-Man, you know, I feel like everybody has to do it this year because, like you said, we, we, we're not going to have fans. So we have to figure out a way that, you know, we keep each other, uh, like, you know, motivated, you know, energy, with a lot, with a lot of energy. And I think that's, the, that's what we got to do, you know, like, like bring, like, everybody, everybody have to bring that energy this year. You know, we need everybody. We just don't need one guy or two or three. We need everybody to bring the, the same energy. And I think we're going to be fine. How much does it help you to have a roommate now, to have Manny Margot with you through all of this and to have him around you? Because, you know, you don't have your family by you too. Yeah, he left. He left me now. He left so you. <laughs> he found so his I'm place? Yeah, because, you know, his family got here, like, a couple of days ago. So I'm by myself now, again. But, you know, he like, he, he did really help me a lot, you know, through the pandemic, like, what, through the uh, quarantine. Because if, if I was by myself, I don't, I, don't, I probably, like, I probably was going to get crazy, you know, like, by myself over here, boring, you know, like, if I was by myself, I couldn't, like, even, like, hit or catch you know play catch but i'm just happy that you know he was here with me and you know we got through uh all that time together and then we help each other to you know to work to continue to to stay in shape and you know he really helped me a lot do you think that has helped him feel more comfortable with a new team because i'm sure it couldn't be easy for him to be with a new team not know the guys that well and then three months where you can't be with your team yeah I think so you know because like I feel like he feels more comfortable now you know like he feels like more open to you know to talk to the guys because the time he's been here with me and I you know I kind of like introduce him to like everybody like yo you know Manny he's a cool guy and you know I explain like everything that we do here you know because we, we do things different here you mm -hmm. know so I kind of like went through with him uh, about all that kind of stuff and I think he feels more comfortable now, and I think you can see, like, you can see see it on him, you know. Like, he feels more, more like, you know, happy. Like, he feels good now, I think. How is your family still? Are they still all healthy? And um, how diff – I know normally opening weekend, they're there with you. Uh, they're good. They're going to be here for the opening day. And, you know, I'm just happy that they're coming and that they are healthy. So, we'll see. How important is that? Uh, to have your family around you because I know I, I, people I don't think realize how close you are to your family. It's big, you know, it's, that's, that's a big thing for me, you know, that they come in here, they're going to be here with me. They're going to support me. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, one of the best things that is going to happen to me this couple uh, of these upcoming days, you know, beside opening days and you know, opening day and all those games. But, you know, it's really special for me that they're here and, you know, like you say, I'm really close to them and I enjoy the time when I'm with them. And and I think I, well, my mom's here, I rake, so <laughs> I'm good. Manny Margot said that you, you got a lot of cooking advice from her during the, that the two of you relied on her a lot. What dish can you I, now cook really, I, really I well? Can do, I can do whatever you want now. You know, I, like... Tostones, arepas, everything? I can make rice, beans, uh, moro, locrio, that's, you know, like yellow rice, all the kind of stuff. But before the quarantine, I couldn't cook. I, I, I just, I like, I, I 
knew how to make tostones and salami and eggs, you know, the basic. But like rice, you know, like chicken and all that kind of stuff, I didn't know how to do it. So, you know, I took that time. You know, I called her a couple of times. She gave me some advices. And, you know, now I'm good. I need to make some for, for them, though. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint her. So now, I mean, for at least one thing, the quarantine was good. Your cooking skills got better. Yeah, you know, and I, and it, you know, it was like a, a really good time because, you know, I think uh, that time it makes you like realize what things are important in your life, you know, what, what you have to do, you know, like it shows you like what's the things that matter the most, you know. So, you know, I show love to other people, you know, to, to the loved ones, to the loved ones. And, you know, it felt, it felt good, you know, to, to, to do that, you know, to like, Tell them that, you know, I love them and, you know, just to, to interact with them and just realize that, you know, like that the material, like the cars and all that kind of stuff, it, that's, that's not important. And it makes you like think about it. So I'm really helpful. Like, I'm really like uh, thankful for, for this time because it, it makes me realize like what things are most important than others. On the field, obviously, you're hoping for a very good year. You played in the Florida State League, which you don't have many fans for. And I know it's a few years, but does that experience help you at all? The fact, and in the minors, you had, at least until AAA, you had half seasons. So 70 games is close to 60. Does it, is it, will, will that help you going into this, do you think? Yeah, and you know, like, like I say, you know, I think, over here, things are different, you know, like everybody's going to help each other uh, to stay focused, you know, to, to do the job that we have to do, you know. And I, and obviously, you know, all those times through the minor leagues with, you know, no fans, it really helped, you know, for like a moment like this. And I think, we, you know, we're just ready to play ball and just to compete, to be back and to try to win it all. What did you gain from last year's experience the playoffs, the run at the end that you think are helping you now that are making you better? Wow. Uh, I mean, last year was, like, good for my mental part all around because I had a really, like, rough year in the beginning. And, you know, I think uh, I got stronger in my mental side of the game. And obviously, you know, getting like, to the playoff and, you know, having a game five against Houston, it really, like, gave me, got me more mature mentally for those moments, you know, like it showed me that, that that's what we play for, you know. So it just got me more confident, you know, on myself, on the team. And and it showed me that, you know, like if you put the work in, you're going to see the results. So I know all the work that you put in in Orlando, in addition to what you do back at home. Where do you think you're a better player now than you were uh, the end of last season? I think obviously after last, after last season, I think I got like better at defense. You know, I know like what like are my limits. Like if I'm struggling, I know what what do I have to do to get back on time and to get back and on track. And I think I, I I'm really like more mature now on the field. You know, like I know when I have to when do I have to make a strong throw. You know, when I have to stay more calm and you know take my time and all that all that kind of stuff and I think I think that's where I got better and where have you brought up Justin how much does Justin still help you now and where does he help you and the, and same question for Rodney because I know he had a good impact on you last year you know they both they both are you know amazing you know they both are there for for us you know when we need them you know you can talk to them they're gonna help you obviously Linares we put the work in every day he he goes to my locker to bring me out let's let's do some extra work let's do this let's do that and he he really helped me out like a lot you know like I'm really thankful with him and with Justin you know we really like we talk a lot you know we chat and we just talk about about life you know about things when when things are going wrong you know like what kind of advices he, 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 he will give me. And he, he's such a great guy, you know, he, so he got such a positive energy and it's, you know, it's funny cause like everybody say that I bring that kind of energy every day, but like, he's the same. So 
when we talk, it's like we have like a, a connection, you know, because he's like that every day. He's the, the same guy every day. And I, you know, sometimes, sometimes I ask him like, how, how can you do it like that? You know, every, every day you bring the same energy. You, you know, you talk to all the guys and, you know, you try to solve the problem and you, it's, it's crazy. I don't know how he do it, but I'm just thankful for him too. Does it matter to you if you were to win a World Series that were 60 games instead of 162, or is a World Series a World Series? Hey, World Series is a World Series. Everybody's going to have the same chance. So if you win at all, it doesn't matter if it's 60 games, 20 games, because everybody's going to have the same shot. So I think if you win it, you're the champion. You know, you, you did what you have to do to, to win it. So if you win a 60 games or 162, I think it's the same because everybody got the same shot. And what do you think are the keys for this team this year? Uh, staying on the field. You know, if we, like, stay on the field most of the season or the whole season, I think we got the whole team every day. You know, our team has a lot of talent and a lot of good players. And if we can stay on the field every day and bring the same chemistry we had last year, I think that's all we need. With the talent we got here, man, I'm telling you, we got some great, great players. Well, we look forward to hopefully a very successful season for you and the team, Willie. Uh, continued success, and thank you so much. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for having me again. It's my pleasure. That is Willie Adamas joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. We continue with more in just a moment. We welcome you back to This Week in Race Baseball. And joining us now from Fox Sports Sun is Brian Anderson in VA. It's good to be talking actually about games and teams and that sort of stuff right now. Yes, it is. I mean, it was a long time coming. Uh, I think there were a couple of different times during that stretch from, you know, when everything stopped basically in the middle of March until, uh, you know, the, the game on Friday night that you wondered, were we ever going to get back there? You know, what was the, the pandemic going to allow this sport to return and would the negotiations between the union and ownership allow this sport to return? So now that it is back and it's officially underway, you know, I'm excited. I know you're excited and, and here we are. It's going to be, it's going to be a sprint. It is. And it's going to be different though. in the fact that, you know, they just expanded the playoffs right before the season began to 16 teams as a player. Does that make you think any differently or is it still about, Hey, we got to win games. It doesn't matter who gets in, who doesn't get in. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it affects uh, the players one bit. I, I mean, they, they look at it and say, okay, more teams are going to qualify. But I think, especially when you're speaking a, a, about the Rays, their thought is we're going to win the division. I mean, th their goal, win the division, uh, get into the postseason in an advantageous spot, and then go from there. So that's not going to, you know, going from 10 to 16 teams is not going to change that at all as far as the mindset of a player. It's still go out, do your job, do what it takes, do what you need to do for the team to be successful and win ball games. And so that won't change anything that the, that the Rays think about. What it does end up doing is it ends up protecting – it really protects good teams with high expectations that maybe, you know, maybe a key player or two test positive and they have to miss two weeks – you know, all of a sudden the record starts to slide a little bit when, uh, when really, in reality, they're one of the better teams in the game. So it's a protection device. It'll certainly make things more interesting, you know, come October, but it does not change the thinking of a player not one bit. Their, their idea is to go out every single night and win games. And you saw that the race have been hit. They're never going to make excuses, and they, and they shouldn't, but they got hit early in terms of the virus itself with – Tyler Glasnow, Yannick Chirinos, Austin Meadows still not there. Their starting pitchers are not stretched out. They're missing their best hitter. So they're going to have to kind of find ways as they did last year. Yeah, well, this is where the versatility of this ball club comes in because you're absolutely right. You know, you, you Charlie Morton, you know, a guy that's stretched out. Ryan Yarbrough, you, you know, he, he's a guy that's, that's stretched out. Tyler Glasnow limited a little bit. You know, same with Blake Snell. Those are two big pieces. Actually, those are your number two and three starters you know, in a typical full season with complete health. And then Austin Meadows, your, your number one hitter. So how do the race pieces together? They're going to have to be versatile. They're well-versed in this. You know, there was a time a season ago where the race had one healthy starting pitcher, and that was Charlie Morton. Everything else was pieced together. And that's something that they are uh, more than willing uh, to do as a group. They've shown the ability to be able to do that as a group. And as far as the lineup goes, this is where Kevin Cash – 
needs to use the versatility as far as the left-handed and right-handed hitters to create lineups that create matchup issues for opposing pitchers. And, uh, you know, he will really earn his money putting together those lineups to try to scratch across four or five runs a game and then let his, uh, you know, elite pitching staff take it home from there. So it'll be a challenge, but guess what? That's what this team has been all about. Every year with the payroll that the Rays have compared to the other behemoths in the American League East, every year is a challenge and it presents itself. These challenges present themselves in different ways. And this is just another obstacle to overcome. And, you know, this team has shown the ability to do that. Do you think they're better equipped than a lot of teams in terms of the fact that they had to deal with 57 players last year, they had so many injuries, and they still found a way? I think without question. I I think, uh, you know, the ironic thing is I felt very good, and we've talked about this before, I felt very good coming into the (laughs) 162-game schedule that this Rays team had every ability to contend and win the division. Now when you condense everything – uh, and you think about the, the, the depth that this team has, and I think that that's the word that really comes to mind and that everybody talks about. There, there is not a lot of drop-off between player number one and player number 60, if there is such a thing uh, with, with all the players at, at Kevin Cash's disposal. There's not a big drop-off at all. Uh, there's a good complement of lefties, righties, infielders, versatile players that can play the infield, play the outfield. You can move guys around, you know, like, like chess pieces, really. And so, uh, you know, I think that they are they're very well equipped. And I think that even though the season's condensed as far as 60 games and 66 days, depth is going to play a huge role, not just because of potential baseball-related injuries, but positive tests. That's the thing that's most challenging about this coronavirus. You know, a guy gets a, a, the flu during the course of a season – Maybe the training staff sends him home for a day or two, and when he feels up to it, he's back playing. Not the case with COVID-19. If you get a positive test, you could be asymptomatic, looking at everybody going, I feel great. I could be playing right now. That doesn't matter. You're going to go sit out for 10 to 14 days. So you better have guys that are able to fill in in key spots if that unfortunately does happen. And I think overall, uh, the, the Rays are well covered. And I would think from a coverage standpoint, this, especially first two weeks, the middle part of your bullpen, the guys who can go once through the order, the Jalen Beeks that we saw Friday, the Trevor Richards, the Andrew Kittredges, they're going to be probably more important than ever. Uh, they're going to be the bridge. They're going to be the bridge, especially, you know, when you, when you start to think about Tyler Glass now not being all the way spread out quite yet, uh, the same thing with Blake Snell. What can you expect out of them first, second, you know, uh, turn through the rotation. And so you're going to need that bridge to get it to the back end guys that can close the the game out. And so those guys will be relied upon heavily, but they've been in this situation before. I mean, we've seen the opener. We've seen the bolt guy. These guys have fulfilled uh, a number of roles over the course of their uh, careers, you know, even if they're short careers. Uh, But my point is, is that they've done this before, but they will be very important because they will be that connector to finish the game off. Speaking of careers, I thought the great story from the opener was Ryan Thompson beginning his major league career. Can you reflect on what that has to be like to go from being a minor league rule five guy two years ago who really wasn't above double A ball, and here he is making his big league debut? In one of the most pitching rich organizations in major league baseball. I I mean, it's not like you're sliding into a team that, yeah, you know, not a whole lot of pitching. And so, you know, we're going to take a chance on this guy and throw him in there. You're coming in where they have pitchers galore here, up and down the system. You know, a lot of really good pitchers didn't make the opening 30-man roster. So, yes, for him to be able to uh, to go out there and stay focused on the task at hand, which is to go out, get himself ready for a season, throw the ball well, impress, you know, the, the team, is got to be beyond thrilling. And, and what I've read about the call that they made to him, and um, you know, I'm sure it was a, a very emotional time to realize the jump that he's made, again, with a team with very high expectations and with uh, you know, that the reputation of having a lot of good pitchers at their disposal all you know, up and down 
uh, the minor league system, let alone in, in the big leagues, had to be beyond thrilling uh, for Ryan. But it was very well deserved, and he brings something a little bit different. Again, you think about all the different styles of pitchers that Kevin Cash, you know, can work with during the course of a game. This guy's six five six feet six inches tall coming at you from a sidewinder with a, a breaking ball that seemingly sweeps three four five feet and then with enough velocity to get good arm side movement and the ability to throw strikes I mean when you come with that kind of deception it's difficult on hitters especially because they're only going to see you once you know they can, they can try to pick up that release point for one at bat you're not going to be rolling through the lineup two or three times and allow them to get comfortable seeing you so that's a huge advantage that he has and so far um, at least, you know, leading up to, to making this team, throwing the ball well on Friday night, you know, he's shown the ability to do that. And, yeah, I could not be more thrilled uh, for him because that's, that's quite a jump. B.A., good stuff, and hopefully more good stories as we go through this season. Great to now be able to see yes. you at the ballpark. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Neil. Great to see you, too, and we'll see you later on. And that's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and joining us now, one of the many prospects the Rays have down at Port Charlotte, and that's lefty Shane McClanahan. Shane, first of all, when you found out you were part of the 60-player pool, what did that mean to you? It just it showed me, the, you know, this organization believes in me. You know, that's important. You know, they have confidence in me, and that makes me want to go up there and you know, show them what I can do and, you know, help this team win in whatever way I can. Tell me what you've learned through this experience so far, especially from facing guys in the games that you played in St. Petersburg. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think so far, you know, it's been, it's been an awesome learning, learning curve, I guess. I don't even say a learning curve. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity to go out there and, you know, throw against, you know, some of the best hitters in the world. And, you know, I think, I think it's been, it's been a lot of fun, you know, learning and stuff like that. And, Ultimately, it is spring training again, so it's, it's good to get back out there and work on some stuff and, you know, face batters. So it's good to be back. A lot of the pitchers tell me they get good feedback from talking to hitters afterwards. Have you done or did you do much of that after the appearances, and how much does that feedback help? Of course, yeah. I, I was asking guys, you know, how stuff was moving, what, if I was tipping, you know, how did, how did everything look out of the arm and, or out of the hand, sorry. And, uh, you know, it, it, the feedback there, it, it's good because – you can, you might, they pick up on stuff that you might not see, or, you know, pitchers might not see tendencies, whatever, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been very helpful to talk to those guys and see what I've been doing. You know, the other piece of this, and we don't get to see what's going on in Port Charlotte, but you guys are working every single day. What is a normal workout day like in Port Charlotte for you right now? So we recently just transitioned into the afternoon, you know, for the first, whatever, three weeks, I want to say it is, we, we were in the morning, you know, typical schedule, breakfast, uh, go, you know, do your work, on-field stretch, you know, get your working on the field, go lift, go run, and then, you know, we, we talk about some things and that'd be a day. And I, I think we're, we're trying to transition over to the afternoon now, you know, to get on that, that schedule of, you know, afternoon games or evening games for potentially call-ups and stuff like that, so... You know, it's, it's been a pretty seamless transition. Yeah, I'm curious, though, is it more like, for instance, you're with a team, you're playing games every day, there's a prep for a game. How do you kind of maintain that competitive edge on a day-to-day basis? What do you try and compete at to make it seem like you're preparing for a game every day? You know, for me, I, I, I really don't have an issue with, uh, you know, gaining that competitiveness or, or you know, that edge. I, I want to win in everything I do. I want to be the best at whatever I can do anytime I can do it. So, I mean, like, whether that's baseball, ping pong, golf, whatever. You know, I want to go out there and I want to win. So I feel like, you know, just that good competition, you know, when I see a guy step in the box or, you know, I'm throwing a bullpen, it's like I want to work on something every single day to where I can become a better pitcher. Ryan Yarbrough told me how good you were or how much better you are than him at video games when the two of you were together. Have you found any competition in Shane Boz? Is he he better? Shane, Shane's not much of a gamer. He'll get on every now and then, but, you know, Shane's Shane's good at what he likes. He's good at Rocket League. I'm sure he's good at Call of Duty too, but – He's, he's not as much of a gamer as I am, but he, we, we'll play it every now and then. I know you've talked very highly of the relationship the two of you have, though. How do you push each other, and how are you the same, and how are you different? You know, I think, I think we push each other because, you know, we are good friends and stuff like that. And, you know, I want to see him succeed, and now he wants to see me succeed. So, you know, it kind of just goes hand in hand. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, 
I want to push him to be the best version of himself. And I know he wants the same for me. You know, ultimately it's, it's beneficial to both of us. Tell me how you're similar and different though. How you play off one another. Um, I feel like, I feel like our personalities are kind of similar. You know, we're always, always making jokes at each other and stuff like that. Keeping it light. I think where we differ, honestly, I, I, I've never even thought about that. I, I, we, we mesh together pretty well and we see eye to eye in a lot of, a lot of things. So once, once I figure that out, I'll let you know. But I, I thinking about, I mean, he's a righty. Weird. He's a righty, but like, He's kind of left-handed, though, personality-wise, right? I'm a lefty, too. Oh, so. he's, he's not going to like that. that no, it's a good thing. That's a good thing. I think lefties are creative. He's very laid back, but he's also, you know, got a sense of humor about him. I, yeah, I I th- honestly, thing. though, I think I'm kind of a fake lefty because, you know, I do everything else right-handed. I write right-handed. I, I kick a soccer ball right-handed. I golf lefty, though, but play ping-pong righty, like drive right-handed. I eat right-handed. I feel like I'm kind of a fake lefty, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. What what did you learn from a real lefty and Ryan Yarbrough from rooming with him? He told um, me how much it helped to have you around too. Yeah, I mean, I, what I learned from Yarbs is you know the importance of a routine, stuff like that. It's going about your business the right way every day, like not taking days off, and ultimately, you know, seeing how the success Ryan's had in the major leagues, you know, it's motivated me to become you know a better ball player. It's like I see what he's doing, and I want to do that. You know, I don't want to. Like I said before, you don't want to be a minor leaguer your whole life. So, I mean, he just gave me that extra edge and competitiveness to really try and set myself up in the best possible situation. You guys are obviously very different in terms of the way you go about things on the mound. But what can you take away from a guy who certainly maximizes his pure stuff as well as anybody? Yarby is he's a hell of a pitcher. You know, he's, he's crafty. He can sneak fastballs by people. He can throw a cutter, slider, curveball, whatever he wants at any time, any situation. And I think that's what I learned is because, you know, maybe because he doesn't have, you know, a plus-plus fastball or whatever you want to call it, he still finds what basically embarrass guys and get guys out on a consistent basis and win 15 plus games so I think that's one thing that I've taken from him is you know is just the pitch ability and learning just how to manipulate the count and what pitches to throw and how to keep hitters off balance and stuff like that certainly players can act as coaches for other players but you've also got several coaches down in Port Charlotte who's been most helpful for you so far and why I've been working with Nappy a lot uh you know do we a lot and so it's it's been very beneficial those guys are very knowledgeable and you know Snyder is is I feel like he's the best in the business and so I feel like I'm in a very fortunate situation whether it's gonna be at the trough of that or Port Charlotte you know I got great minds to pick and a lot of great knowledge to help me be, you know figure out some stuff one of the neat stories in this first week of the big league season is the fact that Ryan Thompson you know got yeah, his awesome. first call up and I know how much that meant to all of you guys but one thing we did ask him about was, you know, normally first call up, your family comes out to come see you play. Yeah. As a guy who grew up locally, how weird would that be for you if you are to get your first call up this year, yet your parents wouldn't be able to watch you in person? You know, the touch on Thompson, on touch on Ryan, you know, Ryan's a great guy. You know, he, he is one of those guys you want in your corner 10 times out of 10. He's a great locker room guy, great competitor. And, you know, I know speaking from everybody in that locker room, we couldn't be more happy for him. You know, we all did our celebrations, you know, appropriately with quarantine and stuff like that or, you know, social distancing. But there was there was not a guy in that locker room yesterday when we found out that wasn't over. The moon. And, you know, I think I think that just shows the work ethic he has. He's a worker and I'm, we're very glad he's getting the opportunity to show what he can do. And personally, what would it be like for you to get a call up yet your family would have to watch on TV? I don't know yet. I You know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know, I'm going to I'm going to just approach each day like individually I mean I'm not going to look too far ahead I'm going to control what I can control and and I'm going to work hard every day I'm not going to get caught too caught up in the future because I feel like that's when you start forgetting about today and I feel like the most important thing is to stay in the moment and just work on what I can work on and control what I can control and you know when they call me up or if they call me up I'll be ready well in the meantime Shane enjoy your moments in Port Charlotte we certainly appreciate the moments you've spent with us on this week in race baseball absolutely thank you so much Neil and that's Rays prospect Shane McClanahan. Now coming up, head of pro scouting Kevin Ibach and team president Matt Silverman. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Joining us now, Kevin Ibach, who heads up pro scouting for the Rays. And Kevin, what has this been like for you since right now scouts aren't allowed in Major League ballparks? Sure, Neil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been a unique time for all of us, certainly outside of baseball and inside of baseball as well. And um, the extended quarantine, the extended shutdown has certainly pre- presented some challenges for us as a scouting staff. We're used to going out and navigating the country and watching baseball games and being in hotels and ballparks this time of year. And obviously we can't do that right now. I think the unique thing about it in, in hindsight, you know, as we're, as we're getting ready to play, that 
this has been a time where we've, because we've slowed down the travel, because we've slowed down, you know, the rat race sometimes that we call it of going from city to city and ballpark to ballpark, that we've been able to concentrate more on taking deeper dives into different organizations. So a lot of the planning work that goes into executing a transaction or executing a trade, we've been able to um, spend a lot of time behind, you know, the computer and tickling the keyboard and, and really taking deep dives on these players. So I know it's been documented throughout the game, but we've spent a lot of time watching more video probably than we ever had. So while we're not there in person, we're certainly certainly have our plates full, um, just trying to stay abreast of what's going on. Has it been tough morale-wise for scouts, though, who are used to being on the road that can't be in person and are doing it from home now? Sure. I, I think that morale is, I think it's more of a question of, you know, everybody wants to contribute as as part of our roots and part of what we do is having a voice in, in what we do as the Tampa Bay Rays organization. And everybody on my staff wants to be able to be included in that. I think just the way that we've operated for quite some time, and it's a testament to, you know, to our front office and our leadership, is we're involved in the offseason even when we're not involved ballparks on trades. And so we've just kind of changed the calendar a little bit. So I think that morale is as good as it can be. I just think the era of uncertainty and um, the routine having changed is probably, you know, more at the forefront of their minds, more so than morale necessarily being down. So will all of your staff be watching different games each night on TV just so you're stay tuned to particular teams? How do you handle that? Yeah, this this year's actually um, experimental in a lot of ways. I mean, I think you get the same answer from Major League Baseball down to Kevin Cash and certainly in our front office. But normally we are very geographic in nature and how we cover um, both the major leagues and the minor leagues. And so our scout in North Carolina typically wouldn't be found at a ballpark in California. Other teams, though, however, are, are, are very organizational in structure, and they may have two or three teams that they follow from start to finish in a given year. So I think what we're doing this year is we're going to try um, to experiment with organizational coverage. So all of my scouts right now have been assigned two teams that they will follow. You know, I've told them to be the expert on those two clubs. That involves staying abreast of transactions and roster movement. With the 60-man player pool, I think we'll see more movement than we ever have. So I need an expert for each of those teams to kind of keep track of those transactions and then certainly be the, the lead voice if we were to make a trade with a particular organization um, leading up to the trade deadline this year in August. The hard part of that, though, is you can only see what's going on on the field in games. And here's my question is, let's say you want to make a trade, but there are certain players involved that are in the 60-player pool that haven't played. Do you go on old evaluations? How do you handle that aspect of all this? Yeah, I think that aspect that you mentioned, Neil, is, is probably where there's the most uncertainty um, for scouts around the game is not having access to the alternate sites, you know, for us, Port Charlotte, and being able to see what the bodies look like down there. The last time our guys have laid eyes on, on a lot of these prospects at the alternate sites was back in March. You know, so bodies can change by then for players and, and for others in quarantine. And, and certainly, you know, an arm action, an arm slot, there's mechanics can change over time as well. So I think we're just going to have to use, you know, a lot of our old evaluations to set that baseline. And then, you know, depending upon the nature of the transaction, you know, potentially, you know, we've already seen some of these around baseball, but the player to be named later aspect where, you know, maybe we can set a date into the future where we'll eventually be able to go and see these players live to make sure everything checks out. And the other piece of that is, let's say your 60 player pool is reduced as it was early in the week when Ryan Lamar and Chris Herman um, had both opted out of their contracts. If you're looking for a, a depth piece or something like that, you may not have seen any of those players going into the week because it had all been, let's say, intra-squad games. Yeah, correct. And, and I think replenishing our 60-man pool is, is going to be a, a huge priority for all clubs this year, making sure that we have insurance for a major league club while also being able to de develop some of our you know, higher prospects. So one thing that I, I've been fortunate, I live just outside of Chicago, and while I plan to get to the TROP at some point, I've been able to follow, there's a few independent leagues up here um, that are functioning right now um, where I've been able to go out and see some live baseball. So uh, <laughs> that's helped keep my spirits up being at the ballpark a little bit, but there's also been players in these leagues that um, were in big league camps or in minor league camps with affiliated clubs and are being stretched out. So if something goes awry and we need to go get a replacement player um, to replenish our pool, there are a few avenues right now for us to do that. And we certainly 
you know, are following those, those leagues to make sure that we're, we're in touch with those players. Are you able to scout all the independent leagues? Do you have enough coverage to do that? I know that eventually Nashville is going to have some, some players that were in big league camps. Sure. I think right now it's actually more limited than you would think. Um, there's some very informal inner squad type actions at some facilities um, where the roster is just not that deep. But the American Association up here by me, there's a there's a team called the Chicago Dogs that are playing regularly up here. And there's several, you know, big league caliber players that are in this league. So um, we're going to keep personally, you know, being 20 minutes away from the stadium, I can keep abreast of what's going on there. Sugarland um, down in Texas is one other league that has a lot of either current affiliated players, but certainly released players or players that can replenish your pool playing as well. Um, and we have scouts in Texas that are a short drive away from that as well. And you guys have been so good as a group, not only in scouting the big leagues, but also, you know, we mentioned the 60 player pools, but the minor leagues, how valuable would it be to have some sort of instructional league? And obviously the virus will dictate that or a fall league where you can watch other teams prospects across the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, fingers crossed, you know, it's, it's really hard. The landscape changes a lot during this pandemic. If, if we're able to have an instructional league or a fall league across baseball, that's going to be a vital opportunity for us to get out and really blanket cover those environments, uh, wherever it is. You know, I know whether it's in Florida, Arizona, or, or a different place, our scouts are ready and able to go out there and do that. It will be our last look at players like it normally is heading into, you know, what usually is a busy offseason with, with minor league rule five, major league rule five, uh, minor league free agency. There's a lot of reasons to try to get some sort of in-person scouting done, you know, prior to the winter meetings. And from a context standpoint, you guys have played such an instrumental role in so many trades, not only getting pieces that, the, that can help immediately at the big league level, but really guys who are on that path to get to the big leagues too. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's where we've you know, try to make an impact is, you know, in the minor league systems, especially with the younger guys that have some runway. We always say here with the Rays that we, we need to keep the pipeline going. Um, you know, we can never have that stall out. So um, between amateur scouting, international scouting, pro scouting, we do our best to really canvas every area to add talent to our system and then trust our player development people to develop, um, you know, those raw ingredients. Kevin, good stuff. We wish you a lot of luck and hopefully we see you back at a, a visiting ballpark in addition to home ballparks because the Rays are going to make a postseason run. They're going to rely heavily on the Pro Scouts on that end too. Thanks, Neil. We appreciate it and we appreciate all the support and very much looking forward to the season. That is Kevin Eibach who heads up Pro Scouting for the Rays and we now go from on the field off with team president Matt Silverman. Matt, thanks very much for joining us. Tell me what this whole period has been like for you and the organization. I, I think uh, there's been a lot of anxiety and questions about uh, you know, what do we get to this point? You know, going back to March and you know, basically the, the sports world and the rest of the world shutting down, uh, there are a lot of questions. And you know, it's been a roller coaster to get to this point. I think you know, as a sport, we, we've made it. Uh, this isn't the finish line, but it's really important that we're able to, to maintain the bubble, get this season started, and return to some sense of normalcy. One of the great things about baseball is that it's a, a daily drama. And you know, it, it's your daily fix. And, and we're, we're going to get into that, that rhythm and that daily rhythm and be a part of everyone's lives and maybe return a little bit of sense of normalcy to uh, what has been a, a very uncertain and, and difficult time these past few months. Yeah, how much of the games for you or, or for, you know, for this market are important to have that kind of release? I, I think it's really important, and especially coming off the season that we had. Uh, There's so much optimism and, and, and pent-up excitement about the season, uh, and we really had set ourselves up for a fantastic season to be able to actually play that out to have the 60 games, to even have the expanded postseason and to feel, feel good, feel confident that we're going to be you know, competing for a postseason spot. I'd be disappointed if we don't make it there and get into that tournament and, and get to right the wrongs from last year and advance further and you know, potentially bring home a World Series championship. That's, that's a really exciting thing for our team and for the community. Since you brought up the expanded playoffs, were you, do you think it was a good idea, A, for the game, but also for the Rays? Because in a 60-game season, there is certainly a more variability than 162. Yeah, there, there's a lot of variability. I, I think it helps us manage the players' health and their workloads better. There isn't as much urgency in every particular game, knowing that there's you know, a, a little bit more room for error to get into the postseason. 
I think it just helps everyone breathe and, and ease into the season. It's been an abbreviated spring training or summer training. You know, we can sort of ease into the season. Uh, I don't think it takes away from the playoffs themselves and the, the pursuit of the World Series. And I think, you know, this is a, an unusual year. This is a year to experiment as an industry and to try a couple new things. So, you know, I, I'm glad that we took that step. I think it actually helped in terms of the relations between the union and, and uh, the teams to be able to come together and, and have this supplemental agreement. And uh, I think everyone's going to feel good when we get to that, that playoff series and you have the, the best of three. It's a really it's an exciting way to start the playoffs. Different than the one-game wild card, perhaps you know, less random. An incentive to be among the top four, too, because if you are, you at least get to host that first round all the way through. Yeah, that, the home field is interesting. You know, three games, best of three at one site certainly does you know, put a premium on that home field advantage. There's not as much of a premium on winning the division as there were, you know, in, in a normal playoff year, but it's certainly important. And it's something that, you know, it's our goal to go out there and, and do that. You know, who knows, you know, come October, maybe we have more fans in the stands. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the virus has receded some and, we, and we're feeling a little bit better about things and, and going out and, and doing – some of the normal things that we did before COVID hit. What are you most proud about regarding the organization and how things have been handled in the last four months? Uh, Yeah, I'm really glad that we were able to maintain our focus and that our players, that they were united. The lines of communication were really strong across the organization and flipping to the business side and our community side, you know, we, we were engaged. Uh, We were doing all that we could to help our community you know, the, the Rays Baseball Foundation, uh, you know, turned into a COVID relief center. And we used a lot of our funds, you know, in a time that there was a lot of need in our community continues to be. We're proud to be able to do that and proud to be able to shed light on some great causes like Feeding America that's doing important work. You know, these aren't easy times. Forget the health aspects. You know, those are really difficult. But beyond that, you know, just the, just business in, in general has been difficult, the dislocation of a lot of families. And so the things that we can do as an organization and, you know, give back, has been really important and something that I'm really proud of that we've been able to do you know, even remotely. You know, all of us working in our own homes and far away from each other, we've been able to do that and pull that all together. And you brought up uh, feeding Tampa Bay, but it's 80 organizations that you guys have helped in the Tampa Bay area, not just feeding Tampa Bay. Yeah, you know, we we typically have a, a grant program for the Rays Baseball Foundation, and we turn that into a COVID grant foundation, and so. COVID grant application. And, and so we were able to help so many different organizations who were doing niche things within the community, making sure, especially when it came to providing basic services and food, that um, people's immediate needs were, were met. I think um, you know, we've all been so focused on the virus that you know, having sports come back, uh, having baseball come back is going to be a really nice distraction, something that actually beyond that can bring people together um, and have something that unites our community as opposed to some of the, you know, the more divisive things that have been going on in the background. No doubt. Um, you know, from a family standpoint, you've been helping out a lot of families. Some of them may be race fans as well, but you've also helped some families within your race family. Those, you know, there are a lot of part-time workers, especially who would not, who are not working at the ballpark just because of the situation. Yeah. We, and, you know, when, when this first started, we didn't know how long this pause was going to be. If we were even going to have a part of a season, that was really important for us to be able to provide some income uh, and, and, and some substitute funds for so many people who, who make raise games what they are. You know, when you, when you think about the coming to a ballpark, certainly the play on the field is what you're there for, but it's the excitement, it's the energy. And the people who work at Tropicana Field day in and day out, they're the ones who provide that atmosphere. And uh, it was something that was really important for us to do and for the sport to do to make sure that you know, they weren't forgotten and that, you know, th- that they were able to um, at least receive some assistance during this time when they might not have as much work as they normally do. You have been able to bring back some fans at Rowdy's games. Of course, the race and Rowdy's are owned by the, the same group. You brought up the idea of potentially fans down the line. What's, what's kind of your take on that? You know, for, for now, baseball is focused on just returning the games to the playing field. But at some point, we will, as an industry, turn to the idea of bringing fans back in. And we will work in conjunction with Major League Baseball and making sure that we do it in a safe and effective way. I hope we get to the point where we feel good locally, we can bring fans in and that we have the safety and distancing measures in place to have a great time. You know, we've done it for 150 fans at the Rowdies. Uh, we've talked about a few thousand fans potentially at the Trop, uh, and we've been working on those plans. I, I know that when we get to that point, if we get to that point, we're going to do it in a very safe and effective way 
and allow people to come to a game and enjoy, you know, the, the, rooting on their team in person. I mean, it's, it's one of the great things about baseball is being here at the ballpark. We want to do that. We want to, we want to return that for our fans, but do it in a way and you can do it in a socially distanced way and a responsible way that, you know, that doesn't add any additional risk to our community. Matt, you've mentioned also, you've been involved in a number of social causes throughout this. The, the efforts to help um, a lot of organizations locally and the, the Black Lives Matter connection. What did that mean to be involved in that way? I, I think, you know, the, the, the George Floyd killing and so, so much attention that has turned to um, the, the, the violence uh, in our community, the racism uh, in our community um, has allowed us to engage in a conversation within our organization um, it started. We've, we started that conversation within the clubhouse, uh, and also with our community. And and look, it, it these are uncomfortable subjects. They're things that have you know for a long time been taboo to talk about. And you know we're, we're trying to show that you can have those conversations, that you can engage in that dialogue. Um, and with that, hopefully, we can ad- advance our our community and advance our nation. Um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that has been very important to us to to stand up for social justice for social causes. Um, this is another in a long series of, of, of stands that we as an organization make. Um, we make them proudly, but we do it in a way um, that hopefully fosters dialogue. Um, it's, it's not meant to divide. It's meant to bring us together and have that conversation. It's an ongoing conversation that we're having as a community and as a nation, and, and we're proud to be a part of it. Matt, good stuff. Let's hope that uh, this rest of the season goes on without a hitch and that it's a very successful one like the 2019 campaign. All right. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. And that is the Rays team president, Matt Silverman, and special thanks to Matt and all the guests on the program today, including Rays shortstop Willie Adamas, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, Rays prospect Shane McClanahan, and also the head of pro scouting for the Rays and director of pro personnel, that is Kevin Eibach. Now, if you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solons. Hey, catch a glimpse of yourself as a fan at a Rays game when you purchase a fan cutout. A limited amount of spots are open for most dedicated Rays fans to become included for Rays home games this year. Go to RaysBaseball.com slash fan cutout for more. Next week, Ryan Yarbrough and much, much more. For my producer, Jason Barringer. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show's next on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a miss. He struck him out the Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. Grounded, hits the mound, goes to short. Wendell's got it. Talal one, defers, got him. Double play. Side retired. And the Rays will take a lead to the ninth. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from sky skyrocketing storage costs, and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.